What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Dahani Joseph, and today we are recapping the NBA action from Friday, October 28th, 2022. I am a day late with this. I apologize. Yesterday, you know, I was just vibing, you know, just chilling, enjoying the weekend, had a long week. So uh, getting the chance to, you know, just rest for a little bit, it was nice. It was really nice, and um, I'm back now. And we're going to get into it. We have nine-game slate on Friday. And we're going to get into all the NBA action. A really close one, Boston versus Cleveland. That one was interesting. That could be a potential semifinals matchup that I would pay to see. Because can you imagine the defensive battle? Although Boston's defense hasn't been exactly stellar this year. I am 100% confident in them to eventually come back and remedy whatever situation they've been having in terms of the defensive struggles. Plus, they don't have Rob Williams there. Lone true rim protector, for the most part. But Tatum and Brown versus Russell, excuse me, not Russell, whoa, um, Garland and Mitchell. That's that's offensive excellence at, his highest, at the highest point. So that's going to be a battle. But we got a sneak peek. Last night, or well, in this case, Friday. But I'm excited, man. I'm excited to get into it. And without further ado, let's go. The first game out of the nine-game slate for Friday will be the Atlanta Hawks versus the Detroit Pistons. In this one, we saw Trey Young and DeJounte Murray show that they may be the best backcourt in the entire NBA. Trey Young had 36-12. and You know what he can do on night-in, night-out basis. 28-10 and easily. He shot 12-20 from the field, 4-6 of from three-point range, 8-10 of from the free-throw line. Offensive dynamo at the point guard position. One of the best at getting double-doubles on a consistent rate. Him and Tyrese Halliburton, man, two of the best. Along with, you still have Chris Paul, of course. But these guys really can distribute the rock at a high level. And then DeJounte Murray, he had 26-5-4. and 12-21, 2 of 6 on three-point range. But again, Atlanta, man, 4-1 and one on the season. They, they won this game, I didn't mention that, 136-112, to 112, took easy, easy work with the Detroit Pistons, who are 1-5 on the season. But look, man, I think this backcourt is something special when you consider the fact that you have a guy in Trey Young who can go off for 40-15 and 15 on any given night. He's an explosive scorer. We saw that back in his time in Oklahoma. And every year in the league, he's improved. He's been able to become more of a consistent shooter, especially from range. We all understand his ability to get to the free throw line is elite. All-star caliber guard, all-NBA talent-wise. And DeJounte Murray, all-star last year. And this year, I'm sure he'll be an all-star again now in the Eastern Conference. This Atlanta Hawks team has the potential to be really good. I still think they're one or two moves away 
from being that elite caliber team, especially with the forward position. Last time we spoke about the Hawks, it was DeAndre Hunter who had a great night. Last night he had a solid but not amazing 12 points, two rebounds and an assist. His defense is what he's known for, but offensively he's going to have to step it up if this Atlanta team wants to go anywhere past the semifinals this year. But even that distracts considering how deep this Eastern Conference team is. You can have a, a 1-8 matchup where the 8 will beat the 1 seed just because that's how deep and talented this league is. For the Pistons side of things, Cade Cunningham surely came out to play. He knew the, the guard battle. He understood the impact of what this was going to mean as he starts to develop and go up against the top guards in his conference. He dropped 35, 8, and 9 rebounds. 14 of 23 from the field, 7 of 8 from free throw line, the free throw line. But yeah, ultimately, a young team like Detroit, they weren't able to defend at a high enough level. They were able to put up points, but when you give up 136 points, you're typically not going to win many games. Trademark of young teams, but again, Detroit has time to grow. Next game up, the Orlando Magic versus the Charlotte Hornets. Orlando got their first win of the year. One in five now. It was Paolo Bancaro, who again was showing that he looks like he was worthy of that number one pick by far. Only one close in the rookie of the year race right now, unfortunately, is Benedict Matherin, but I'm still not giving up hope with Keegan Murray. I still think he'll end up being the rookie of the year. We just got to give him some time, give him some reps. Once, once the 15-game mark comes in, he's fully a starter for the Sacramento Kings team. He'll be all right. He'll be, he'll be getting the 20s and the 25s like Paolo and uh, Benedict has been doing so far. But, yeah, Paolo, 21-12 rebounds, 7 assists, 8 of 14, 2 of 4. What we're seeing, what we are seeing from Paolo is his ability to adapt, right? Early on, he was getting not necessarily flustered, but he was taking not so good shots. The percentages weren't as good as we would expect, but now he's getting to his spots. He's being more selective. Before, he was taking upwards of 20 shots. Now, 8 of 14 with 21 points. He's getting to the line at a really good rate, especially for a rookie. That takes a while for players to really get in terms of the physicality, knowing how to get to the line. He got to the line seven times last night, converted on three of them, missed out on some easy points. Could have had 25 on the evening, but that's a sign of not only just improvement from Paolo Bancaro, right, but also signs that he can be your number one guy on offense. If he's able to score not only on by field goal, but also free throw, get to the line at a high rate, that's a formula for success in the NBA when you're talking about you're finding a top player in the league. Von Wagner chipped in 13. Wendell Carter chipped in 15. Bowl Bowl with 11. Again, this team, they have guys that can score. It's just defensively at times they can't they can't match up. Mo Bamba off the bench with nineteen. Okiki with ten. The team has lots of potential. Just have to has to be able to grow. Give them nothing to go. For Charlotte, again, they've been playing with Pablo Melo for the longest. They're gonna be games like this where they can't really hang with some of the teams, especially when they have superior talent. In this case, Charlotte, man, they're kind of in no man's land in terms of, all right, you don't have, well, obviously, once LaMelo comes back, it'll be different, but right now, it's just like, who's our best player? Is it Gordon Hayward? Is it P.J. Washington? Hayward had 18, six rebounds, 
And Hayward's always going to be good, but at this point in his career, he's not that all-star level guy. Even when he was, quote-unquote, the guy with the Utah team, he had lots of good players surrounding him. Yeah, he was an all-star. He put up all-star numbers, but he was never going to be like, oh, yeah, you're the number one on a championship team. Maybe not even number two. Maybe I'm just short, selling him short because of what happened post-injury. But even when he was at his best, I don't think he was ever going to be that number two guy on a championship team, unless your number one was, like, a Giannis or, like, someone that was just amazing, like, all-time great. I don't think he was ever that number two guy. Number three guy, 100%. He could be an amazing number three guy on a championship team, even now. But at his best, he was never that guy. But for right now, he has to put this team team on his back right now, and fortunately, he's not able to do it at the rate. The Hornets right now, two and three in the season. You know, they aren't god-awful, but they're not wowing anybody either. A team that we thought would be god-awful show that, you know, they, they can play. And that's the Indiana Pacers. They took on the Washington Wizards. Indiana winning that game, 127 to 117 in Washington. The Pacers now two and four in the season, while the Wizards are three and two. And this game, we saw some of the offensive potential from this Indiana Pacers team. Miles Turner, twenty-seven points, ten rebounds, five blocks. Are you kidding me? Seven to fourteen from the field, three of four from three-point range, and perfect ten of ten from the line. Tyrese Halliburton, twenty-five points, twelve assists, nine of sixteen, three of six, four of four from the free throw line. Buddy Heald. A guy that you don't really hear his name anymore. I remember back when he was in Oklahoma, man. That was around the time when I really started watching college basketball. Like, the way I do now with the NBA. That's when I first started watching college basketball. And I remember that season when he was an Oklahoma, man. He was electric. Like, nobody could stop him. He would just get to his spots, get to his pull-up. Like, we really thought he was going to be a star shot creator. And he still has nights, man, where it's like, oh, okay, you can get hot in a hurry. Why don't you do this on a consistent basis? But Buddy Heald, any team would love to have him. He's a guy that can get hot quick. He's going to be in this league for another 10 years easily. He's just that type of score and shooter. 5-9 and nine for three-point range, showing exactly that. Benedict Matherin had a pretty slow game by his standards, even though he's a rookie. You know, he's been putting up 25-plus. But 11 points for him, 4 of 11. A lot of offense on the team. I didn't even mention Jalen Smith and Aaron Neesmith, who gave you 15 apiece. So, it's Indiana team, man. They they got something special, especially with the backcourt of Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Natherin. They, they got some dudes on this team. And for the Washington Wizards, we saw Bradley Beal tripping 31, Porzingis 22, and Kuzma 18. Combined for 71 points by their big three, but they were outscored in the first two quarters. And that sort of set the tone for the rest of the game, especially in that first quarter. There was a time where Indiana looked like they were going to run away with it. It wasn't until a late push in the last two minutes that they got it within 10. But for a while there, it looked like Indiana was going to blow them out the water, which definitely wasn't, a, wasn't a, something that most people would have thought. A surprise by all stretch of the imagination. And they got taken care of at home. Indiana, man, building something special. I'm a big fan of Tyrese Halliburton. 
hope he becomes an all-star this year. I highly doubt it, but just solely because of the winning. But he has talent, all the talent in the world, looking like they won the trade with the Kings. Next game up, probably the game of the night. The Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Boston Celtics. Now, I'm a Celtics fan. I'm going to say that right now. Their defense has not been stellar, to say the least. Um, when you look at the team stats, they were a top 10 team offensively. So, you know, they're pretty good, pretty solid. Defensively, a bottom third team. For a Celtics team that was historically great last year, and I don't want to put this all on Joe Missoula. There has been some changes offensively in terms of switching and whatnot. But, again, not having Rob Williams is a big, big issue, especially once you get into that bench unit. Having to have certain players start instead of playing off the bench, and then the bench is lacking in terms of their size. It's tough, but even so, man, giving up 41 points to two players and Donovan Mitchell and Karis LeVert, that's insane. 82 points combined between the two guards. Donovan Mitchell, 41. Four rebounds, three assists, 15 of 25, 5 of 9 from three-point range. Karis LeVert, 41 points, 12 of 21, 6 of 8 from the three-point range, 11 of 12 from the line, 7 assists as well. When you talk about Karis LeVert, he's a guy who showed all-star potential back in Brooklyn, and especially once he went to Indiana. Now in Cleveland, he's sort of in that six-man role. He's starting now due to the fact that Darius Garland is injured. But what it comes down to is that he's a bona fide scorer in this league. He needs to get the ball and have the opportunity to score at a high clip for this team to be successful. They desperately needed scoring last year, and he did not provide that in the playoffs. So, Or the play-in, rather. So this is a good sign for Cleveland that if they can get him going, he can average close to 20 game off the bench. This team could be deadly in the postseason because despite this game where Boston scored 123 points, defensively over time, over the years, last two in particular, Cleveland has been great. Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, they were a top defensive team before Mobley went down and then eventually Allen as well last year. So they're a team that could be in top 10, potentially, in both offense and defense, and that's a formula for championship success if you look at past iterations of championship teams or finals teams in general, such as a Boston Celtic team. For Boston, most cases, nine times out of 10, Boston wins this game. It went to overtime, but when you have Boston scoring 41 points in the second quarter to Cleveland's 29, that's usually a telling sign that Boston's going to run away with it by a large margin, too, because their defense has always been so stout to the point that they would never have to worry about being down at a certain point. If they score 41, they're winning. 41 in the corner, they're winning automatically because their defense is going to hold down for them. 32 by Tatum, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 11 19, 3 of 7 from the field. Jalen Brown with 32 as well, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. 11 to 22 from the field. 11 from Smart. 12 from Horford. When the Jays score 64 points and you don't win, there's a problem defensively. Because if they're getting to their spots, everybody else is contributing as well. You have two other players in double figures for this squad. 
their defense is the issue, man. And that's something that you usually have don't hear from these Boston Celtics teams. Even going back to the Brad Stevens era, Celtics have always been a great defensive team. They hung their head on the defensive end. Going back even further than that with Doc Rivers, defense was their calling card. The Celtics always have been great defensively, historically. So when you look at this team, again, it's only the beginning of the season. And we know what they're capable of. That's why there's not too much panic with the Celtics team. But at the end of the day, something will have to be done in terms of that defensive intensity, whether it be scheme, whether it be the, not necessarily even the players, the coach maybe. Something's going to have to change. They want to make it back to the NBA Finals. Next game up, the Philadelphia 76ers took on the Toronto Raptors. And it was Philadelphia winning 112-90. to Getting a win. A much-needed win, so they didn't slip to 1-5, looking like... I was going to say the Lakers, the Lakers aren't, haven't even won a game yet, looking like the Orlando Magic. Tyrese Maxey, 44 points. This was the game that Philly fans have been waiting for for quite a while. We all understood he's been working out all offseason. We saw the trajectory for him to go to from great starter to all-star level player. That's sort of what most people projected him, and he did not disappoint. In the absence of Joel Embiid, 44 points, 15 of 20 from the field, 9 of 12 from three-point range, 5 of 6 from the line. It doesn't get much better than that at that guard spot. And it was a welcome sight. Um, Harden, he only had 11 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. He sort of got to chill. Anthony Melton had 13. Tucker only had 5 points. Tobias Harris had 13. Tyrese Maxey took over and... Philadelphia is hoping that they can see more of that throughout the season if they want to have any chance of going to the finals, which I believe that for this Philadelphia 76ers squad, it's championship or bust. Of all the talent they have, they have MVP candidate in Joel Embiid, rising star in Tyrese Maxey, and an established all-star, all-NBA type of guy in James Harden. You can't ask for more. That's the formula for success. And you have the fourth best player, is Tobias Harris. If your fourth best player is Tobias Harris, you should be winning 55-plus games easily. Easily. With Tobias Harris, a 20-plus point-per-game guy on any given night, and he's your fourth best player, plus defenders all around, shooters all around, perfect for the system that they want to run with Harden being a point-of-attack type of dude, and Embiid, who can score on the block, score and pick and pop with Harden or with Maxi. How many offensive weapons defensively they should be stout? They have not been the defensive team that we thought they were going to be, especially when you had a guy like P.J. Tucker, Daniel House. You saw Matisse Thibel, and Embiid's always defensively a, a beast in the paint. Philadelphia should be way better than what they are right now. I believe that they will right the ship. I think Doc Rivers has the ability to get it together, and who knows? They can turn it around and go on like a – eight-game winning streak, be right back in conversation for that championship Eastern Conference title and then eventually the NBA title. I, I just have a good feeling about Philadelphia in terms of their potential anyway. I'm still picking Boston to come out the East, but potential-wise, Philadelphia as high a ceiling as anybody in the NBA. For the Raptors, they had lost this game, of course. You have Pascal Siakam with 26 points. 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Apparently, Pascal Siakam is the fourth leader in MVP right now. 
I, I forget. The, I don't have the list on, on hand right now, but he was either fourth or fifth ahead of guys like Tatum, Booker, Steph. And, yeah, he's been putting up great numbers. Don't get me wrong. And they're at this around 500. Uh, 25, 9, and 8. Those are those are solid numbers. Granted, if the Raptors like six and zero, I would give them more credence. Uh, I'll, I'll give them more thought. But you know, solid numbers. All star, all NBA, but MVP. Eh, I, don't, I don't know. Next game, the Minnesota Timberwolves took on the Los Angeles Lakers, and if anybody plays the Lakers, they just circle it, put it as W, because the Lakers are zero five to start the season. Historic. His historic uh, meltdown, I don't think meltdown is the right word. Historic collapse for the Lakers time and time again. They just can't get it done. Shooting abysmal. They have 31%, which is an improvement from three-point range. But, again, offensively, they are below subpar. They can't get it done offensively. Defensively, they have moments, sure. But, again, when you can't score capitalize on open looks you get, you're not going to be a good team in the NBA. It's just how it is. Minnesota beating this team. You've seen Anthony Edwards, 29 points, 11 of 22 from the field. Cat chipped in 21 and 7 and 8. 8 rebounds, 7 assists to be specific. D'Angelo Russell, 11. Rudy Gobert, 22 and 21. Two blocks. Monster in the paint. Torian Prince, 13 off the bench. For the Lakers, LeBron did LeBron things. 28, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Russell Westbrook off the bench. Great night for him. 18 and 8. Despite the shooting numbers being 6 and 17, he pushed the tempo. He helped the Lakers get out in transition. Score. Puts the pressure on the Timberwolves defensively. Minnesota, 4 and 2 right now in the Western Conference. They are one of the better teams, and that's kind of what we expected. I'm dubious about what their potential is. I want to say that they could be a, a team that makes it to the conference semifinals. It's solely about the performance by Anthony Edwards. Right now, he's performing at a all-NBA type of level right now, I'd say. I believe he will end up being in the all-NBA conversation. By the time the season is done, solely because of what he's producing on the offensive end, what he can do. So far, he's averaging 24, 7, and 4. I think that he can increase that closer to 28, and he will do so just because of the offensive, how, like the, the powerful athlete that he is, the scoring ability that he has. It's uncanny. And I think that All-NBA third team, at least, is in his future, especially if the Timberwolves start winning more games. They're already 4-2 right now, 6 in the conference, if I'm not mistaken. Hey, man, Minnesota could do some things in this conference. They really can. Next game up on this very long nine-game slate, <laughs> we have the Milwaukee Bucks versus the New York Knicks. The Bucks were successful, moving to 4-0 on the season. 119 to 108. The Bucks, just a superior team in general. We all understand the Bucks are one of the top teams in the NBA, not just the East, the NBA. Giannis 30, 14, and 9, one block, one steal. 
11 or 22 from the field. You know what he bring on, bringing on night in, night out basis. Brooke Lopez with 14 and 11, three blocks. Drew Holiday with 16, 5 and 6. Javon Carter, 14. Grayson Allen, 17, 4 of 6 in three point range. Bobby Portis with 12 and 12. George Hill with 12. Like I said before, this team has so many stars, whether it be star players in terms of the traditional sense or stars in their role. This Milwaukee team is not going anywhere. They will be in the conference finals. It all depends on who's going to meet them there. And I can easily see them going back to the NBA finals. They're due. I mean, Giannis isn't done winning championships. Chris Middleton isn't even back in their beating teams by a healthy margin. And the Knicks teams have been good both defensively and offensively this season. Especially offensively, they were top five, top ten. That's something that you got to take into consideration with the squad that they have. Jalen Brunson had a subpar night. Martin Sanders, he's been having 13, only 3 of 10 from the field. RJ Barrett chipped in 20. Randall, 14 and 12. Evan Pony at 11. They just couldn't keep up with the Bucks scoring-wise. And their Bucks defense is on another level, of course. Next game, the San Antonio Spurs took on the Bulls and... The Spurs were victorious 129-124. However, there is something to celebrate with the Bulls as DeMar DeRozan reaches 20,000 points. That's a big milestone. And when you think of how, how long DeMar DeRozan has been in the NBA and the score that he's been over his entire career, I mean, he was drafted in 2009, right? That's, that's a heck of an accomplishment. And I like how Greg Popovich, his former coach, by the way, since DeMar DeRozan played there for a while, I think two or three seasons he played in San Antonio. As soon as the accomplishment happened, Popovich called timeout so everybody can revel in the fact that, hey, man, DeMar DeRozan, the 50th player in NBA history to score 20,000 career points. Huge accomplishment. But ultimately, it was the San Antonio Spurs who took the victory. Keldon Johnson, 33 points on the evening, 8 of 19 from the field, 21 and 13 from Jakob Podol. Just a great all-around effort, very Spursy effort, seven players in double figures. (laughs) That's what the Spurs do on the evening for the Bulls. DeMar had 33 points, Patrick Williams had 10 I would assume had 12, Andre Drummond off the bench at 17, and Kobe White had 19 off the bench. Next game, the Denver Nuggets took on the Utah Jazz, and it was Denver who came out victorious. Utah beat them earlier this season, so there's a little bit of like, oh, okay, we gotta, do we have to, what do we have to do to beat them this time? Utah again, lots of veteran guys on the team who want to win, but ultimately. Denver came out and played lights out. Bones Highland off the bench with 26 points, 7 of 12 from three-point range. He is a spark plug guy in its truest sense. Very Jamal Crawford-like. Not only just the way that they score, but also their builds, their ability to handle the ball. Very similar. Utah Jazz, Colin Sexton with 13 points. Mike Conley with 14, Larry Markkinen with 17 and 10. Again, good teams. They're both 4 and 2. Again, surprising from the Utah side, but 4 and 2. I feel like Denver is going to be on more of an upward trajectory than Utah. 
just how it seems. Utah, well, they'll come back down to earth eventually, start losing more games. Next game, Utah, excuse me, not the Utah Jazz, but we just went over them. <laughs> the Houston Rockets took on the Portland Trail Blazers. Houston unable to get the victory as they lose 111-125. Rockets move to 1-5, while the Blazers 5-1, and one, one of the top teams in the Western Conference. And this all without Damian Lillard as he's working on that strained right calf. Anthony Simon said, no Dame, no problem. He had 30.7 assists, 10 of 20 from the field, 7 of 15 from the three-point line. Yusuf Nurkic sits in 27 and 15. Nurkic's probably one of the most underrated players in the league. He can give you 25 and 15 on any given night. Three blocks as well. He's a, he's a man amongst boys in that paint. Only so many bigs that can really contend with him, and he can put up nights like this routinely. Jeremy Grant tipped in 15 as well. Shaden Sharp started 14 points for him. It's only a matter of time before he gets going. Keeping on the record now, Shaden Sharp's going to be one of the best players to come out of that draft class. Putting it out right now, I've been saying it. Keeping on record, Shaden Sharp will be one of the best players to come out of this 2022 NBA draft class. It's just that simple. For the Rockets, nobody scored over 20. Uncharacteristic, especially for Jalen Green. He only had 11 points, 4 of 19. Portland, great defense, great uh, switching team, Portland is. And so many switchable parts. Josh Hart, especially. He can guard one through four, damn near. You know, he's only 6'4. He can do a lot of different things on the off defensive end. I like to see that from teams that want to contend. Jeremy Grant as well. Shaden Sharp. Although he's a rookie, he still has the intangibles to be a great defender. Last game, Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns, took on the New Orleans Pelicans. A depleted New Orleans Pelicans team. With how Zion, how Brandon Ingram, they still put up a fight, but ultimately it was the Suns coming up victorious against the Pelicans. We saw it. McCallum Bridges, 27 points, 4 assists. 10 of 13, 3 of 5. He's one of those dudes like a DeAndre Hunter, like a Patrick Williams from Chicago. Great defenders, great multi-positional defenders. The next step, get that offensive game. And for some guys, they're not all going to be Kawhi Leonard. They're not going to explode offensively, become a 25-by-night type of dude. But Bridges, 27 and 4, is a good sign. He's still very young. Never misses games, also a great sign. Booker has 16, rather quiet night for him. Chris Paul, 7 and 9. Leandre, 8 and only 4. He left with an injury. And then you have Torrey Craig with 13. Bismarck Biombo with 11. Campaign with 12. Very deep Phoenix Suns team. 4 and 1 on the year. Pelicans are 3 and 2. Both these teams will make a deep playoff run. I expect Phoenix to make it a little bit further. Pelicans might lose in the second round. Maybe first, depending on who they play. Ultimately, both teams are going to be really good, really deep teams. And, man, Phoenix, looking like one of the best teams out West again. And I would not be shocked one bit if they're representing the Western Conference in the NBA Finals come end of May, June. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Sorry about it being so late. It definitely should have been yesterday that I posted this, but... 
you know, better late, better late than never, they say. Make sure you guys rate, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff, no matter where you're watching this. And until next time, guys, take care.